T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Uh, tune into SNY tonight as the Mets take on the Padres in San Diego at 10:10. Live coverage begins on SNY with the pregame at 9:30. Todd Zeal joins me. Before I do bring Todd in, let me also mention that the Mets acquire right-handed pitcher Wilma Font from Tampa Bay. Uh, the Mets announced they, that they've acquired a right-handed pitcher Wilma Font from the Rays in exchange for a play to be named later or cash in order to make room for the four, him on the 40-man. The Mets transferred Cespedes to the 60-day injured list. Uh, Font will join the team in San Diego tomorrow. He'll be on the 25-man roster. He's a guy who can pitch out of the pen. He can also start. So he might be one of the guys they start. So uh, Wilmer Font joins the Mets. We welcome in uh, Todd Zeal. Todd, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, Todd, I think the Mets, they talked a good game out of spring training. They looked pretty good the first week. They got a good, a real pop from Alonzo, who came on and played like a star. Uh, But now... Even as the Aces thought to get things together, I see real scary things with this team. And to me, they need to make some serious moves now, or they're in big trouble. I think I think they're they're running guys out there who aren't just aren't getting a job done. Well, I don't know if I agree completely, Mike. I think what you saw earlier that you were excited about was an offense that knew how to produce runs and find ways to score in opportunities that they never had been doing the past couple of years and not relying on the home run and the starting pitching and the bullpen um, was not living up to their expectations. And so the offense was supporting. And then that kind of has reversed right now where the offense has hit their first sort of skid here. Frazier's come back and been in the lineup, but, um, you know, might've mixed up the, uh, the gel and the mix that they had going um, with J.D. and with Alonzo just kind of being on fire, and Michael was a little bit hotter. So right now you've got an offense that's been down, but the pitching has been coming back to where we expected it to be, which is very strong. So I think before everybody decides that 30 games in to jump ship and scrap things, there are only a few games out in the division. The division is not – there's nobody in that division that's running away uh, with it, offense is up. A lot of people are having pitching struggles. If the Mets pitching comes back to where their expectations were, I think this team is going to produce enough runs that they can win ball games. They just have not had both things going at the same time, but I don't think that means that both things aren't there at some level. All right, let me get a And listen, these are my thoughts, not yours. So, number one, why did Frazier come back and get an everyday job? I mean, we all love Frazier. He's a great guy. He's a good clubhouse guy. They were playing well. Why did he come in and get it? And all of a sudden, he demanded a, 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 to play every day. The guy hasn't hit a lick since he came back. Yeah, and I don't know that that... Um, it's fair to say that he demanded. No, I, I mean, but why did the Mets feel they had to claim well, every? I mean, why did he, Why did he come back and get a job? You know, it's the economics of baseball. Sometimes, and this guy's a nine million dollar player that had been, you know, brought over to the Mets 
because he's solid defensively and they thought they'd get some pop in the lineup and drive in some runs. Um, he came back had a big grand slam right away and he, you know, had another big home run. His couple of home runs have been key blows, but he just hasn't been consistent yet. His defense is better than JD Davis on the, the defensive side of the ball. But you know what? It is one of those things that I think coming back, being the guy that is a $9 million player in this lineup with other guys that are more at least expendable in the sense that they can be more patient with them uh, right now. They were going to give Todd Frazier an opportunity to see how he was, see if he was healthy, and see if he was going to produce. You've got Jed Lowry that's coming back um, very soon as well. Now, now, what are you going to do? Now, what are you going to do with Jed well, Lowry? Jed Lowry's got to play. Uh, He's got to play. I think Jed Lowry. I think I think the expectation, if Lowry comes back this week, as has been discussed at least, although nothing is for sure. Uh, they're talking maybe the end of this week. I think Jed Lowry is going to have to go and play third base, and that's going to be a real question mark. Is then what do you do? What's the move that you make at that point? You've got sort of redundant outfielders with Lagaris and Broxton. You've got um, you've got to keep uh, Todd Frazier um, around because he's going to he's going to be a guy that can play first base if you've got to spell Pete Alonso now that Dom Smith is not in the big league roster, and so J.D. Davis kind of becomes an odd man out, or is it Keon Broxton, right? It's it's those two guys that are going to be looking, you know, to figure out what the Mets it's are going to do. So, it's a, yeah, it's it, a it, terrible it, roster because, number one, they had to put Dom Smith, who didn't deserve to go to the minors, in the minors. No, that's number one. Number two... Uh, they have too many guys who can play third base. Uh, you know, McNeil should really be the third baseman. There should be no ifs, ands, and buts. Now, I don't know if Lowry could play short, but if he could play short, I might send Rosario to the minors, let him get his head straight, and put and put Lowry at short. Now, I don't know if Lowry can play short anymore. He used to. I don't know if he actually could. Uh, but uh, really, McNeil should be the everyday third baseman. And if he can't, then make him the everyday left fielder. He's got to play every day. You know that. He has to play every day. So you got to play him somewhere. Cano, I'm not worried about. He was still starting to swing well, and then he got hit, and then he went into a slump again. I think Cano will be fine. If Cano's not fine, they're dead anyway. So I think Cano will be fine, though. Uh, Alonzo's been great. Conforto's way too streaky. I mean, way, way. He's still way. He, I mean, he looks great sometimes, but he's way too streaky still. Uh, and and let's be honest, Nimmo's been terrible. Yeah, Nimmo's been struggling, and I feel for Nimmo because I know that it's getting to him um, because he's trying to figure out why he's having such a difficult time. I think he felt like he kind of gotten over that hump last year. It just is one of the things that you recognize baseball is a humbling sport. Just when you think you got to figure it out, there's going to be something thrown at you and you got to make adjustments. So right now he just feels, it seems to me with Nemo that he seems very indecisive at home plate. He's, he's taking a lot of pitches because he knows he's a guy that takes a lot of pitches, but he's taking good pitches and then going after pitches when he's down in the count and just not getting that aggressive swing at balls. He started to look like he was creeping out of it um, last week and then kind of fell back into it this week. So, um, look, I, I, I agree with you that the Mets have some serious considerations to make. I think Lowry coming back, he's got to go play third base. At least that seems to be the intention at this point. I think well, Rosario, then McNeil has to play. Now, what what do you do yeah, with Rosario? Got to play left field. Wait, 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 yeah, okay, Rosario, so look, I, I what do you Rosario, do with? Do you leave him alone? I mean, or do you tell him he's got a week to get his act together? They're not leaving him alone by any means. I think he was supposed to actually. I, I think they wanted to try to give him a day 
yesterday, but after the 18 innings the night before, McNeil had been on base so many times, it was kind of banged up. They gave McNeil the day, and then they had Echeverria and uh, Rosario in the lineup to kind of give Cano and McNeil a day off. And I think they gave Michael Conforto just sort of a, um, a mental break as well because he was out there for the 18-inning game. But, look, I think Rosario showed yesterday, you know, ironically, after having struggled and they were going to give him a day, he comes in, he makes two good plays at shortstop, and he gets three base hits. So it's in the kid. That's the thing. Listen, the he can he can there. hit, and he's a hard worker. No, he can hit, he's but he's he's, he's he's just been a, he's been bad at short this year, though. He really has. Yeah, he's, he's really had struggles. I mean, four games with multiple errors is not something that's just um, you know a little bit of uh, concern. It's something that they recognize that he's in his head trying to make up for the play that happened before instead of relaxing, forgetting that one and then calming down to let the next one happen. And he had a tendency to do a little bit of that last year. The game speeds up on him. He's trying to do too much. They worked with him. As you remember, last year they sat him for two or three days at a time, really worked on his approach. He comes out. He's really willing to work. He wants to get better. And then that mental break kind of got him back on track. And I think that's what they're hoping out of him right now. But they recognize that, look, he's a big league shortstop and he's got to produce as a big league shortstop, and that means catching the balls that he should catch, not even worrying about making the fantastic play, but he's got to catch the balls that he should catch, and that's where you see the frustration in his eyes because he knows he's making errors on balls that he knows he's made that player his entire life. Talking with Todd Zeal, Mets tonight in San Diego with DeGrom. Hey, the bottom line is, you look at this, they have no way to play Dom Smith. Too bad the kid worked his rear end off to get back to the majors, and he was contributing, but he's blocked by Alonzo. We understand that. He can't play the outfield. You got two guys who are the same. When Lowry comes back, he's got to play. All right, we'll leave Rosario alone at short. You put Lowry at third. You put McNeil in left field. And you got Frazier and J.D. Davis. They both have the same role. You got to pick one or the other to play the guys who can be the backup corner and play the backup first base and be a bat off the bench. You can't keep both of them. They both have the same job. Agreed, except that you could keep both of them if you made a move uh, with, you know. Oh, you got um, rid of Broxton or something. Okay. They're only. The, the, yeah, I mean, the you know, they need an outfielder who can hit. That's you know, the problem. Garris and Broxton are both great, great defensive outfielders, but they're sort of redundant in their role out there. Yeah, they can't they hit. A lot of playing time. Adam McNeil out there, and then you've got um, Michael and Nimmo, and, and and so you're going to have enough outfielders right now. And JD Davis, I think, has done a really good job of at least giving everybody some reason to consider. I'm making a different move than him because he's done a great job coming off the bench. That's right. really a difficult yeah, yeah, Yes, he has. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And, and maybe, I don't know if you can get something for Frazier or get something for Dom Smith. The Mets need a outfielder, a right-handed hitting outfielder who can hit. That's what they need. They 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 missed the boat boat on Adam Jones. They they need a I mean Maben who came to the Yankees would have been perfect for the Mets. The Mets need a right-handed outfielder who can hit. They don't have any right-handed outfielders that hit. Yeah, I think they thought that uh, they were going to be solid in the outfield. They did a lot of things, obviously, to kind of shore up that infield this year. And I think, as you said, I think Cano is going to be fine. I think Alonzo's Alonzo's been great. I mean, he's been Alonzo's been good. He's been much better defensively than everybody everybody expected. I think that's the other reason that it made Dom, at least right now, the number. Right? There's oftentimes there's guys that don't necessarily deserve. It's hard. 
in this game because there's oftentimes you play well enough to stay in the big leagues, but the numbers dictate something different. And Echeverria had an opt-out in his contract. That meant if, if they don't bring him up on May 1st, he could walk. They didn't want to lose him, especially because he's such a plus defender, and he is a backup for a guy like Rosario to give him a day off. There was no other real true shortstop on that club, and Lowry wasn't showing any signs of being ready to go yet. So I think that's where Dom Smith got caught up in that move a little bit. But look, Dom Smith came into spring training, and nobody really had much expectations of right. him. He had an amazing spring. Sure he had did. a great attitude. He played great. The entire time he was asked to do anything, whether it was come off the bench or get a start, he's a great defender, and he's done nothing but raise his stock. So I think he had a great attitude going down. He's going to go down and hopefully keep producing and just raise his stock. And if he ends up you know, on a big league team, is the Mets great? If it's not, he's got an opportunity to create value for himself and maybe for the Mets for a move in the future. Unfortunately, the player, the Mets, if they could build them, that they need is Cespedes. Yeah, absolutely. They need a I mean, right-handed, power-hitting yeah. outfielder. The only problem there would be McNeil, Conforto, and Cespedes. You'd have to put Conforto in center. Uh, and and I know Cespedes, maybe he did with that arm. He should have always been in right. Maybe he'd finally go to right field because McNeil's not going to be in right field. So the bottom line is, you know, McNeil really is an infielder. He, he's a great bat. He's got, he should be in the infield. He's not. And he's in the outfield. And they have no offense from Broxton, uh, Nimmo, or Ligaris. Conforto's streaky, and then, you know, they've run into the problems with Cano slumping and Frazier, and all of a sudden they can't score any runs. Yeah, no, that all of a sudden, that did happen kind of quickly because, you know, over the last 10 or 12 games, their run production has really kind of gone in half, and then like you said, there is there's some reasons for it. I don't think it's as critical as maybe it has been in past years, and, because, and the reason I'm saying this is because it's not that I'm buying in, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid here or anything to that effect. It's more so that I think the way this team is built, it was built to be able to produce runs. And I think McNeil and Alonzo have, are, are good examples of how that can happen. Alonzo has hit 10 home runs, but he's also had some key base hits to the opposite field. I agree. In the scoring position. He's given himself up if necessary for the sack fly. He's not a guy. No, he's a good player. Salmon. He's a really and legit hitter. On the other I agree. Side, the guy's a legitimate 330 hitter. I agree. At I big, agree. Big level, and he gets on and does little things. So I think there is signs. And then, like you said, Cano was really starting to swing the bat well, and Michael Conforto is going to be fine. Michael I think Conforto those. I'm not worried about Cano. I'm not right worried now, about yeah. Cano, Conforto, or Ramos. Although Ramos hasn't been good behind the plate, but I, I, I'm not worried about those guys. Uh, Lowry can hit. That's okay. Uh, they need an outfielder, and they have a surplus. They have a surplus of guys, and unfortunately, there's no room for Dom Smith, and he was helping the team, but there's no room. Maybe they can get an – I mean, they really need an outfielder, uh, you know, a right-handed hitting outfielder. I mean, people have been waiting for Ligaris forever, unless Nimmo's going to hit, and Nimmo has really looked bad this year. He really – and Nimmo's the easiest kid in – And listen, Nimmo's the the easiest kid in the world to root for. I mean, he's the nicest kid in the world. You want to root for him, but he's – He's been, he's been bad this year. He really has been. He's been struggling, and he's had a couple of hot and cold streaks. And unfortunately, I thought when he got out of it the last time, it was going to catch a little bit of momentum. But, I, you know, ironically, I think if you'd have had this call with me two weeks ago, I would have been telling you how, how concerned I was and what my real worry was 
was that the starting pitching wasn't as dominant as I was expecting it to be. And after a couple of bad starts from DeGrom and a couple of bad starts from Syndergaard, I think everybody was a bit concerned that the pitching might end up being a problem, that the offense was going to be okay. Now, fast forward a couple of weeks, and you've seen Jacob and Noah really settle down. Wheeler's been good. Matt has been really good. Unfortunately, had to go back to New York to have some uh, you know, some things checked out. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's forearm. okay. I don't know but if that's a, that's that's just a start or two. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a hitch in the road because he's been really, really um, spectacular this season. Even Vargas has been pitching well. It's unfortunate to see him come out of the game yesterday. He was he was um, pitching well. So that I, I think it, it's it's you know it's one of those things that happens in baseball. It happens under a microscope, obviously, in New York City. And there was no expectations necessarily on the offense coming in. And the, all of a sudden, the offense uh, was better than anything in the league. And there was all the huge expectations on the pitching. And that was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with the Mets pitching? And now that's starting to reverse. So I'm hoping, and you know, look, this is me hoping because I know that the potential's there with that lineup to start producing runs again. It's just going to be a matter of getting those things balanced and producing runs as you're getting the good pitching. And then I think they'll be back on track. But if one of those things stays prolonged, then you're right. You're going to have to look at a lot of other alternate choices. You know, the the general manager put himself out there this year with this team. He made a lot of statements. He did. Uh, and and right now, you know, at 16 and 18, going to San Diego, and they they haven't played well in a couple of weeks. Uh, and they're lucky they're not they're not any farther back than they are. You know that's that that's it. And and but right now they could be they could easily be four or five games under five hundred in a couple of days, and then all of a sudden it's a long way back. Yeah, well, there's a lot of parity in this division right now. That I mean, played so many games against the division, and I think you know the key to this division winner is going to be who you know wins within the East and who takes advantage of those games against the Marlins. The Mets have been pretty good about that. And they've got to stay there. They've got to do better, obviously um, against this Western uh, conference. And look, they've always been a really good road team. So to go in Milwaukee and lose a couple of really you know tough games there was not good. Those games could have ended up the other way. As you saw 18 innings, they draw, they get a big run. They just, you know, ran out of pitching depth at that point, 18 innings in, and they give one up. That could have been a big catalyst to leading to yesterday's game. So, look, I still think it's it's not a huge disparity. I think that some of the things that you're talking about absolutely have to materialize and gel, and it's going to be really interesting to me, at least, to see what happens when Jed Lowry gets into this lineup, another left-handed bat, um, but at, at third base, and, you know, McNeil most likely in that outfield um, kind of on a permanent basis. I think it's going to give the Mets options, whether it be J.D. Davis or Keon Broxton, to make a move there and solidify things a little bit to maybe have a little bit more, um, you know, routine or at least uh, structured lineup top to bottom, and then maybe to get back uh, to that type of baseball that they were showing earlier in the year, which is, Hey, we don't need to rely on the home run to win this ball game because we can do so many other things um, offensively. And Lowry is another guy that fits into that mold that Frazier doesn't necessarily, right? So I, I think that's going to be an interesting 
bit of um, what you know, guy are you most worried about? What everyday player? We're talking with Todd Zeal. You can see him on SNY tonight. He's been filling in in the booth for Ronnie until Ronnie came back, and Ronnie uh, today told everyone that he's headed on the road to recovery. So we're glad to hear that. Uh, uh, what what guy in the lineup are you most concerned about? Um, you know what I I think that Nemo's struggles have been um, the most concerned because he's a guy that you rely on to get on base and make things happen. And I think more so than just getting out or being a slump because every player does it, it's the fact that for the first time I've seen what looks to be like doubt in his, in his eyes and loss of confidence. And that I know as a player that, went through some really tough slumps. I got sent down after three years in the big leagues um, because I lost my confidence. I couldn't find my way. I went down and got it fixed and came back and never went down again. But I just, I just know what it feels like to not be sure why you're not producing. And I've heard him talk about it. He's an honest kid. He's the greatest, you know, he's an inspirational kid. Nice. It couldn't be anybody nicer, but he's even said, you know, Hey, it's puzzling to me why I'm not making contact and it's something that he's trying to find a way out of, but hasn't yet. So he's the guy that I'm, I'm, you know, most concerned about, but um, you know what? Uh, I've seen that come and go and it may just be something that he needs to get a little bit of a break and then get back in there and get things start to click. Um, are you surprised by Alonzo's performance or no? I'm a little surprised because it's been so dynamic, but I was a big, big, Alonzo Believer, my um, my future father-in-law, Tom Gamboa, managed him uh, in Brooklyn when he was with the Cyclones and uh, told me back then that, hey, this kid's got tremendous power. He's also got an idea what he's doing at home plate, and he's a really, really good kid and a hard worker. So I think the combination of those things, when I saw how he's progressed, um, I'm not surprised that he's become a really productive big league player and big league hitter already. It's just everybody's surprised at how dynamic he's been at such an early part of the season. No question. Uh, what would you say about the way the team, uh, uh, the, the uh, general manager and what you've seen from him and the manager? Look, I think you said it earlier that Brody came in and made a lot of bold statements. And you know what? I give him credit for that because I feel like he had to do something that was going to be taking a risk. I mean, they were taking a risk bringing him in as a guy that was an agent and, you know, sort of outside the box. So I thought his philosophy behind the reasons that he was making moves made a lot of sense. I think he did the right thing by locking up Jacob deGrom and making him, you know, the face of this organization and keeping that from leaking into the season or into the clubhouse. And I think the way he's tried to look at compiling an offense to produce runs, I think is really suitable for the game today because the, the, the analytics that show the home run and three true outcomes, you know what? There are some exceptions to that rule in my opinion. And I may be, you know, argued with by the analytics department all day long, but when you've got starting pitching and, the ability to close out a game when you've got, you know, Gazelman Lugo and Diaz all throwing well, you want to be able to scratch and claw for a run and not have to rely on a long ball. 
to produce some runs because you're going to have a lot of close games and you're going to have the ability to win and lose games if you could scratch a run or two across the board. So I thought the philosophy of building the offense around that was a good one. And I think everybody was, you know, buying in early on when they were scoring five and a half runs a game in all different kinds of ways. So it, they just got to get back to that piece of it. And then, you know, look, I think Brody still at this point has made a lot of right moves. And then, but this job is not an easy one. And he's going to be tested, you know, all the way along. And he knew that coming in. Was San Diego a place? Now, most of the time in your lifetime, when you went visited San Diego as a player, San Diego usually was bad. It's a great it's a great city to visit, but they usually been a bad team for the historically been a bad team. What was your thought of going? Did you guys did you like going to visit San Diego when you were a player? You know, I love going to San Diego, and I like being in San Diego right now. But I never I never felt like I played well in San Diego. I think um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was. Um, Jack Murphy Stadium, or I, I couldn't tell you why. I just don't think I ever felt like I had a lot of success in San Diego. Well, it was always a pitcher's park, right? For the most part, right? Always, always considered yeah, a pitcher's park. I, I couldn't say that I always remember having fantastic pitching. I mean, I had some games here, but I think as a team overall, and I've never looked, but I would venture to guess that my numbers against San Diego are not as good as they were against a lot of other teams. All right, thanks. We'll be watching. Thanks very much, Todd. Appreciate it. All right, anytime. Todd, uh, who uh, is filling in for, well, he's doing the pregame this year anyway on SNY, but then he's been filling in doing the games too. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.